0: Hey guys, it's him, and this is Wrestling Unlimited, as it's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It means tonight was AEW Dynamite, and I'm just gonna say it. I thought this was just a random-ass episode of Dynamite. Nothing special happened, I was bored throughout parts of it, and yeah. It was just a nothing-happening show. Like, we got progression for this stupid blind eliminator tournament. We got progression for the Women's Owen Hart Tournament. But even with all of that, this was just a show. It was one of those, oh, they didn't really try all that hard kind of shows. At least that's how it came off to me. But Luke, what did you think of tonight's show?
1: See, I felt the same way. Like, it literally just felt like just a regular show. Like, if someone were to ask me, like, did yeah, I missed anything on this show? I would just be like, really
0: missed anything special no you missed a stu- you missed a stupid mjf adam cole birthday celebration like that was dumb as hell mjf over here trying to work like a baby the whole time like a baby face the whole time and it's like uh hold on what's today even adam cole's real birthday Was uh, yeah okay i know he's the same age as me just a couple months younger so i wasn't sure if it was actually today or not
1: Because AEW actually, like, posted something on Instagram saying, happy birthday, Adam, cool. Okay, gotcha, gotcha.
0: Well, I mean, it's cool. They got the fans, the fans got to, you know, sing them happy birthday, chanting the happy birthday stuff for them and everything. But I thought the segment itself just went way too long. It was dragged out, and we'll talk about it here shortly, but it just wasn't for me. And then the whole MJF working as a babyface throughout the match, like, that was fun. Jumping ahead. We'll get to it once we get to it here in just a short little bit. But I do want to say thank you guys for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription, or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games. And all you gotta do is take that Amazon Prime account, take that Twitch account, link them together, bada bing, bada boom, you're Prime Gaming. Also remember to head over to YouTube. Hit that join button to become a channel member. And finally, finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're trying to get into the Outlast Trials. Whether you're getting some of those games that are on sale right now. Because they got a bunch of sales going on. Trying to pre-order, Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart. That game is amazing. It's finally coming to PC. July 26th. Use our code down here, PWUnlimited, at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. You still got till the end of the day to uh, claim the Dungeons of Neckleblah, or however you say, Nahakoblek, before tomorrow's new free game of grime, Tinge of Terror. Also remember to use our code when you're doing any purchases for for Fortnite, Rocket League, or All Guys. But with that... We got AEW to talk about. AEW Dynamite was tonight from Alberta, Canada, I think. I could be wrong there. I think it was Alberta, Edmonton, Alberta, I think it was. But with that, so the show actually kicked off a little different than normal. AEW comes on the air with Excalibur, welcoming us alongside Tony Schiavone and Taz, and then they immediately throw it to the back. Renee Paquette is with Darby Allin and Keith Lee, opponents for tonight's opening match. Alan said, what the hell? Fly or something? I don't know. Fly jumping right onto my microphone. Anyways, anyways. Uh, where was I? Alan said that if Lee feels lost in the shuffle since losing the tag titles, then do something about it and pull his head out of his ass instead of pouting on the apron. Alan walked away and Lee smirked. I didn't understand this at all. Like, what? When has he been on the apron pouting? Did he do that last week in the six-man tag or something? Or whenever that six-man tag was a couple weeks? I don't get what this was all about. Maybe I've missed something. But then Taz said, you don't want to poke the bear. And you know what I thought as soon as Taz said, you don't want to poke the bear? Do you know what I thought? I think you know. Cat. Yep. Bearcat Keith Lee. Yep. Taz said, you don't want to poke the bear. And I go, oh, the bear cat." That's the first thing I thought of when Taz made that reference. I don't know if they did that on purpose. But, yeah, I didn't understand the segment, though. It, it didn't really make much sense to me. What did you think of the, opening the show like
2: this?
1: Honestly, it didn't really do much for me, if I'm being completely honest.
0: Yeah.
1: I, honestly, like going into the match, like wasn't really that hyped anyway, because... Both teams, to me, like weren't really random because like Darby and and Orange Cassidy, they've teamed together multiple times yep. before this. So how's how's that random? No, Swerving Our Glories back together. Like we already got one team that two people that hate each other.
0: You want to talk about random? They got Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara together. What? How's that random?
1: That random.
0: Yeah. And they it's announced like it's too and, obvious. That's not random. And they announced it in a stupid way. Jericho's talking about maybe joining Don, and then Renee goes, oh, hey, by the way, we pulled more names than you two are teaming. It's like, what? That came out of nowhere, random. Like The show also, I will say, felt rushed because did you notice at the very end, Hangman jumps in the ring with a chair, Evil Uno grabs it, and then we're watching the cube. Did you notice that? It just cuts. I feel like maybe for that, they just ran out of time. But there's other things on the show that kind of felt like some things felt, I think, I think that God dang birthday celebration went long. I don't know that for a fact, but it felt long and maybe it took more time, took up more time than they were supposed to. Hence the end just That's, going like, yeah.
1: Probably because they went a little bit like minute or two over time uh. And you uh, to match and then okay, yeah, I guess they were going to add like that dark order stuff and then they just immediately went to the cube,
0: right? Because again, hangman was in the ring, he had a chair, dark order, and the young bucks are sliding in behind him. Which I don't know why the dark order is, not, I don't know, that doesn't make sense to me either. Whatever, we're getting that rematch on Rampage Friday, cool. But as far as the opening match here, but the match itself was good. But not great. And the Keith Lee So was Keith Lee just being Keith Lee or was he slightly working as a heel? I mean,
1: I think he's just being Keith Lee to be completely honest. Cuz do you
0: do you think the same way? I mean, he had some heel tendencies to him like Okay, Darby and, and Orange are the baby faces, so I have to kind of be the heel in this. I don't know. It's just slightly to me. He just it, everything. It just felt a little off. That's why I wouldn't say it was a great match. Just a a okay to good match. I mean, how I view it is like
1: <clears throat> I I'm normally I'm friends with these guys, but tonight they're my opponents just this one time, so I fight them no matter what.
0: True. So, Allen immediately slaps Lee to start the match, and as a result, was hit with one of the biggest Beals you've ever seen, and boy, did he literally grab a Darby and throw him 50 feet in the air or something. Like, he threw this guy high in the air. Uh, Allen, at one point, escaped the Supernova, tagged Cassidy, and he tried to tried his little light offense stuff on uh, Keith Lee, and Keith Lee just chopped him down to the mat. Excalibur said that he has never seen someone's soul leave their body like that before. Cassidy put his hands in his pockets but suffered another chop as Allen and Cassidy took turns hitting multiple coffin splashes and orange punches. Strickland made the tag and had a nice fast sequence with his former rival Strickland who avoided a float over stunner and hit a leaping uppercut to the back. Allen appeared to tweak his knee a little in the process and Strickland was isolated Briefly, until the tables were turned on Allen, who found himself picked apart by his former by the former tag team champions. Strickland at one point tried to superplex Allen, but Lee added a little more to it by turning it into a tower of doom spot, powerbombing his partner in the process. Of course, Cassidy made the tag as Allen had the ring steps dropped on his ribs outside by Strickland. Cassidy locked on a sleeper on Lee at ringside, but Lee walked up the steps and Allen still kind of were trapped under them. This is kind of dumb because, so he's trapped under the steel steps, and you would think, you would think, if Keith Lee is going to walk up the steps as Darby is under them, it's going to hurt Darby more. Well, then how come Darby could not lift the steps off of him initially, like he was trying, but then when Keith Lee walks on top of him, all of a sudden he's got enough power to, Lift them up and slide out. That made no sense. That made no sense to me at all. You're supposed to be now more hurt because Keith Lee walked on top of the steps that are on top of you. Not supposed to give you superpowers, bud. Anyways. He kind of did a bad
1: job of selling that.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk about bad job here in a moment with the finish of this match that was really bad. So, back inside. Lee blocked the DDT and a Sundog Millionaire multiple times. I didn't like this sequence. It was kind of clunky where, you know, um, Orange would go for the DDT and then Keith Lee would catch him. Keith Lee would try to do something. He'd reverse that. And re- I don't know. The reversals and everything just fell a little clunky. It all did, though, lead to Darby hitting a code red on um, Keith Lee. Then they just screw everything up. So he hits the code red. Arby goes for the pin on Keith Lee. The referee counts one. Swerve then climbs to the top rope. The referee then counts two. Swerve is then going like this, getting his position. As the ref is coming down for three, he's about three quarters of the way down before Swerve eventually jumps off the top of the 450 to break up the count. But the referee, pretend this hand is the mat. The referee literally goes like this and pulls it back. Pulls it back because fucking Swerve couldn't hit his move on time. So the ref had to look like an idiot, even though AEW refs already look like idiots. Because he literally was going in and then pulled it because Swerve couldn't break up the pin on time. And he almost counted the three. Anyways, Lee and Strickland both tried for home run shots and collided with one another as Cassidy hit a top rope DDT on Strickland and a diving one to the floor on Lee. This allowed Allen to wrap up Strickland with the Last Supper and pick up the victory. So yeah, there we go. There we go. Darby and Orange Cassidy pick up the victory. Lee then gave a fist bump to Orange after the match. What'd you think of the match overall?
2: Honestly. I feel like it was just
1: a match on the show. I didn't yep. really think much of it. The whole part where like a match, like, Swerve was all, like, upset about losing and stuff. Like, Keith Lee hate each other. I mean, shouldn't you guys be glad that you don't have to, like, continue being a team? Right.
0: So then we probably got the best thing on the show. At least my favorite thing on the show. The Nick Wayne video. The Nick Wayne hype video. And I love... I wish they would have started doing this just a little bit sooner. Like, a couple of weeks ago. Because they... Play this video, and I'll, I'm going to recap the video here in a second. Play this video telling us who Nick Wayne is. And it ends stating to be continued. So you think, oh, okay, we're going to get more of this. We're now going to see some Nick Wayne in-ring footage, like big matches he's had. Like we did see some footage of him versus uh Swerve from Defy, but I thought we would maybe get more because it said, you know, to be continued. And then later on in the night, they just tell us, oh, next week is Swerve versus uh, Nick Wayne. So, why say to be continued? But regardless, we see footage of Buddy Wayne, or the Buddy Wayne Academy. And Darby is sitting on the side of Buddy's ring. Well, Buddy's, yeah, the the ring in Buddy's garage. Where a lot of wrestlers have been trained. That's also where uh, Brian Alvarez was trained to wrestle. Anyways, Darby's telling the story of Nick Wayne saying that when they were training in the garage, Nick, at eight years old, would jump in there and train with them. Allen then said that he was driving one day and gets a text message that says, hey, Buddy Wayne's passed away. He said he pulled over on the side of the road and got angry, punching the steering wheel and the window. He then said after receiving that news and after basically like compartmentalizing everything, he made a pact with himself that he would always look over Nick Wayne. And he wanted to make sure that Nick would get everything that he wanted in life. Allen said that he is the one that recommended Tony Khan sign Nick Wayne. Sign him before he's even legally able to wrestle for the company. Lock him in. Um, he showed when he offered him his AEW contract at the Defy show. Where they didn't know that was happening. Darby showed up. I think it was like 10-15 minutes. Before the end of the show, neither Nick Wayne nor Nick Wayne's mom knew that Darby was going to be there, knew that Darby was going to offer him the contract, and Darby offered him a contract saying, when you're 18 and graduate high school, you're going to be all elite. If you agree to this deal, you will be an official member of the AEW roster. I thought this was great. I loved it. And I've seen many people online. Who's this kid? Who's this skinny-looking little guy? And it's like, no, no, no. If you haven't seen a Nick Wayne match, you're in for a treat, especially next week. Him versus Swerve is, if given the right amount of time on television, going to be awesome. I've seen Go watch their Defy match, Nick Wayne versus Swerve. It's amazing. And hopefully this match is as good, if not better, than that next week. What did you think of the video? The video was cool, you know, like know, like an
1: old Nick Wayne hype video before mm-hmm. he like debuts on television. I'm pretty sure this guy's been signed to AEW for a while. So, I think like, they're were, they're were just they're literally just waiting for this guy to turn 18.
0: Well, basically, what they did was they wanted to do well, Darby wanted to make sure he was taken care of for sure, but it was also on AEW's part, sign him to a contract when he's, I think, 15. Or 16 maybe it was. Let me know in the the live chat if I'm wrong here. On the age. It's either 15 or 16. Anyways. Sign him. And make it legal. So that way once he turns 18. WWE can't make him an offer. Because WWE is not going to make somebody under the age of 18 an offer. They're not going to do something like that. Like AEW did it with Billy Starks too. They are like hey. We're going to sign you. And once you graduate high school. You could be officially on the roster. But. Yeah, lock them in now, lock them in early, so that way there's no chance that WWE tries to steal them away. Or maybe not even steal them away, but you know, compete contractually for them. So it's been I think it's been like two years, if not longer, since the whole where I offer you a contract. Isn't there also laws saying you
1: they can't they couldn't have him wrestle when he was sixteen?
0: Yes and no. I know certain states, like the state of New York, he could not work in New York. Because then when they did the whole big um, GCW World, or GCW World, whatever show it was, where they worked from Hammerstein Ballroom, he actually got pulled from that show by the New York State Athletic Commission. And so I think it's just with AEW covering themselves, saying, hey, we'll officially put you on the roster when you're 18. Because I think under the age of 18, the types of contracts they have, like he can go work an indie show and get paid to do all that, but I think to have an official contract with the way like AEW does it, there's probably some thing in there where you got to be of age and it's not like, oh, well, uh, well, let your mom sign the contract for you now and this and that. I think it's, no, once he's of age, he can sign an official contract with everything that it entails and go from there. That's what I think. I don't know that for sure, but it's just what would make sense. So we got another dumb segment here. What was this Jungle Boy stuff? This is stupid. This is very stupid.
1: Oh, well, I, I feel bad for Jungle Boy. If I'm being completely honest,
2: <laughs> so Tony Schiavone's this dude literally
1: went from this dude literally went from being a fatal forward match for the AEW World Championship and like TW belt, right? He even <clears throat> said like. The belt means nothing, but I. And he's like, I still want that belt, even though it means nothing.
0: Tony Schiavone's in the back waiting for Jungle Boy to arrive. He arrives, and I don't understand. Like Tony Schiavone's trying to like ask him a question, and he's not really getting it off right. And then Jungle Boy just starts talking, and he. Inter- I, the whole thing felt weird. Like retape this goddamn thing. I doubt they did it live. Retape it, please. Like they should have. Anyways. He says, I'm going to go to Tony Khan's office right now and demand that I get an FTW title shot. All of a sudden, Hook runs in, attacks him. Jungle Boy jumps into the back of the SUV, kicks Hook, slams the door, and yells, drive, and then they drive off, and Hook throws something at the back of the car. Yeah, no. Jungle Boy,
1: Jungle Boy kind of gave off a weird vibe here. Very. Like, he will feel like you have a vibe where he was like, high or something.
0: Uh, I don't know about that that but it was just weird because of the whole like Tony Schiavone is trying to talk to him and then he's like not listening but he knows what the question's supposed to be because it's all predetermined and scripted and then he just goes into it and I'm like what the hell it's just all weird so then we got footage of bonding time between MJF and Adam Cole they're shown training at a gym Puff was there MJF
1: I was about to say, I was about to say, like I I recognize like yeah. that guy Puff the wrestler. I didn't know if he knew him or not.
0: Yep, that was Puff. MJF is doing some.
1: Yeah, he's good friends with Colt Cabana. Like they stream Fortnite together a couple times.
0: Nice. Uh, he asked Adam Cole, "Hey, spot me, bro." And Adam Cole's on his phone. Uh, he then says he'll spot Adam Cole, but Cole didn't need him to spot him. And then then. He makes a joke about Puff being fat. And then he tries to make another fat joke. And Adam Cole says that's not cool. And yeah. That was about it. Then we had a six-man tag. Just another match on the show that meant nothing. The acclaimed against the Blade and the Bollywood Boys. Again, just throwing random people together to have showcase matches. Whatever. Why are we supposed to care about this? Like, we're not. So after an early shoulder block, Billy Gunn was going to was going to the moon, going to moon the crowd, I think is what he teased, but referee Aubrey stopped him. He also had a weird interaction with Aubrey after the match too, we'll talk about, but Caster made the tag and ran wild with body slams and backdrops, aplenty, plenty leading to a scissor me timbers. They claimed and Gunn then triple-scissored into commercial where Caster was attacked from behind and isolated. Bowens made the hot tag at one point and he had a Famouser before uh, Gunn jumped in and hit the one and only on Harv Shira. Gaster then capped things off at the mic drop and picked up the victory. Yeah. So, like, we get, like, a minute or so before the, maybe two minutes before the uh, commercial. Go to commercial. Come back. We get, like, not even 60 seconds. And the match is over. And then, like, the Acclaimed are doing their thing, celebrating over here. But then... Billy's over here with Aubrey and they're having like this weird interaction where like she's going to raise his hand and then he like tries to hold her hand and then he puts his hand on her. I don't know what was going on. It was kind of weird. It just felt awkward. And then, um, well, before we get to the post-match stuff, what do you think of the actual match?
2: I mean, Billy just felt
1: like he'd do something with the Acclaimed knights, so let's just get in this match.
0: Yeah, it made no sense.
1: Like vibe for the acclaimed is like when they're like going down the ring is basically dead now. Like oh yeah, like, a few months ago, a few months ago, these guys were like on top. Like fans love them. Mm-hmm. Now, but now they're at the point where like fans don't really care about them.
0: Gotcha. So Harley Cameron interrupted on the big screen, upset that the acclaimed and gun ruined her singing a few weeks ago on Rampage. Cameron said that she's money on, she's Miss Money on the mic. Yeah, okay, we ain't gonna get, you know, comparisons to that Miss Money on the mic. Anyways, she said next week she'll debut a music video for all of them, and she's a really good singer. I'll say that she does a lot of music stuff with um, Scarlett Bordeaux and Shotzi, So
1: she also sang that that the party song for
0: Woods. Right. Yeah. I mean, not. She did that. And, uh, he's- yeah, she did that. She did um, the Inspirations theme, you know, the former Iconics. She did theirs as well. So she's, she's a good singer. I'll say that for sure. Character on AEW. I mean, I guess she's supposed to be annoying because that's exactly how she comes off. Super annoying. But I think that's on purpose. Anyways, Gunn took the mic and said he had two words for her. Suck so it. We then got highlights of Eddie Kingston winning the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship from Kenta. Just uh, last night, I think it was. He said he was achieving his dream of winning a championship in Japan. We then cut to a video of John Moxley talking about the history he has with Kingston. He said through good times and bad, both of them made it out. As he questioned why Kingston walks around so angry. They should make every day count instead of complaining about the new generation not having respect. Moxley said that Kingston should let the past be the past and told Kingston to answer his phone. We then see a graphic for for the upcoming Blood and Guts match where they tell us it is the BCC against the Elite. But there's one spot open in both matches. So I'm going to pull up the graphic here really fast. We can look at this for a second.
2: So Let's pull this up here.
0: Uh, so if you look at it, we you got the Blackpool Combat Club-ish, it's Wheeler Yuta, John Moxley, Claudio, with Takeshta, and an open spot. Then if you look on the other side, it's the full elite. The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Hangman, with an open spot. Excalibur explained why we have open spots over with the Blackpool combat club. Danielson's out with a broken arm over on the elite side of things. You would think Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston's going to be in Japan for the G1 climax tournament, which actually starts like two, three days before this. And I think that same day, technically the night before in Japan, if you go off of like time differences, he's got a match. So Kingston is busy. He's going to be in G1 can't be there. So now we look and say, Who fills in those two last spots, one on each side? They're not going to do four on four. So these two last names, one for either side, better be big. Better be big. And I also saw some people go, maybe Shota Umino can be on the Blackpool Combat Club side. Nope. He's also in G1. So I saw a lot of people on Twitter also say maybe Kota Ibushi. I don't know if I'd like this as... The first way to bring in Ibushi, it would make sense because he's helping out Kenny Omega and his friends, the Young Bucks. But I would have liked a—I don't know—he would feel too much of an afterthought, like an extra in this match. But who do you think it could be as far as the final two members, one on either side for Blood and Guts?
1: I don't know. I feel like for both sides, it almost have to be someone new going into the company. I can see that. For one of these sides? Hmm. For one of these sides? I don't know about both. I can honestly see for Blackpool Combat side, it's, it's probably going to be someone that Don Callis recruits.
0: Hmm, Jericho? He's trying to recruit Jericho. Jer-
2: yeah, I don't think it would be Jericho either, but... Uh,
1: be Osprey? Or no, it can't be Osprey.
0: No, Osprey's got G1. So, yeah, I... I have no idea who it can be. And my question was, like, it needs to be big names or else everyone's going to question, why didn't we just do four on four then? You know what I mean? If they're not big names, if they're just random people that no one cares about, then why tease it up like this and if not just do the four on four? So. I would
1: say, like, if Adam Cole wasn't doing the MJF stuff, oh, I yeah. thought Adam Cole would be perfect for the elite.
0: Yeah, that would work for sure. But he's a little busy. So, Renee Piquette's in the back with Arjo. Right. R- Go for it. Go for what
1: it. they could do is, like, hey, I'm, I'm a, bit a little busy with MJF right now, but I can let, let you use Roddy for this night.
0: Eh, I don't know. I mean... No, it wouldn't make sense. I would just, the Adam Cole thing needs just to be kept away. I just, nah. We go to the back. We uh,
1: I really can't think of anybody yeah, right I, now. Though.
0: I can't either, at all. So we go to the back. for Renee Paquette, RJ City, and Matt Hardy. And they're like, hey, Matt, uh, so earlier in the day, we um, pulled your name for the blind tournament. Now we're going to pull your partner. They spin the wheel. They spin the, the bingo ball wheel or whatever their bingo wheel. Pull out a name. And RJ City goes, oh. And I go, oh, Jeff Hardy. Just, it, it, it's Jeff. And he goes, it's Jeff. And I'm like, oh, well, this is dumb. And Matt goes, "Willie, really? My brother, Jeff? And he's like, well, mm, Jeff Jarrett. And yeah, so Matt Hardy will have to team with Jeff Jarrett in the Blind Eliminator Tournament. And I think they're going to have a match on Rampage this Friday.
1: Uh, Rick in the YouTube chat says, How about Pack for BCC? It doesn't really make sense, to be
0: honest. It wouldn't fit. I mean, he's had feuds with the elite. So, I mean, like, I can see why someone would think that. Why would he want to help the BCC? Well, for what reason at all? That's why I can't think of anybody because you. It can't be just super random. Pack would be way too random and almost a lit down, even though is amazing. It's got to be somebody connected to either the BCC, either Don Callis and Takeshita, or the elite on the other side. I just, I don't know. Because it's like, if we try to think, well, who hates the BCC? Who would want to fight the BCC? I really can't think of anybody right now outside of Eddie Kingston. And the Elite. And then on the opposite side, who in the company wants to fight the BCC? I don't know. Like, just do the 4v4. Oh,
2: Ronald, there's
0: no way in hell it's going to be Punk. No way at all. That would be, and even if they're all willing to work together, that would be the biggest waste of Punk versus the Elite.
2: Especially since Punk's a babyface. Supposed to be a babyface at least. Oh, well, yeah.
0: Canada don't like him. Speaking of Don Callis, him and Jericho had an interesting segment earlier. Jericho came out first to a massive ovation from the Edmonton crowd. Jericho said over the past, uh, the past few months, things haven't gone his way. And he would have, that he would have liked. Jericho talked about how traveling in Alberta has invigorated him and potentially, and potentially be the best Chris Jericho ever. Jericho is interrupted by Don Callis, who now has weird entrance music. It's just, it's like, that's all it sounded like to me. I don't know what the hell this was. It was just some like buzzing.
1: It almost feels like. Tommaso Champa's entrance went when when the, his like music was like s- sort of well he didn't really have music at first when he was a heel, like he would just go right. out and like let the crowd boo him though. Yeah. That's from their version it's like they don't want to make it like too loud or anything because they still want the crowd to like boo the heck out of Don Callis.
2: True. So they still wanna like give
1: him music though.
0: Yeah. Um Callis was booed big here. Uh, he said 6 years ago callis suggested jericho main event in the tokyo dome against kenny omega meanwhile jericho said that he was the one who helped callis get back into the wrestling business and into AEW callis said that he had he's had to build a new family since kenny destroyed his old one a family built on trust if jericho is ready to change history more uh, more times he should join don callis's family jericho said that he doesn't join factions He creates them, but maybe. So he said, maybe he will join Don's family. Any
2: thoughts? I mean,
1: if Jericho hypothetically does join Don Callis, the question is, like, where does that leave the rest of the Jericho Appreciation Society?
0: Well, as we learn later, Jericho did say, hey, eventually you guys got to get out from under my wing and go do your own thing. Uh So. I mean, Sammy's been nothing more than Jericho's, you know, lackey, I guess you can call it. He's just done whatever Jericho said, for the most part, his entire time in the company. Kager,
1: he's always just been like, guy wherever Chris Jericho goes.
0: He's even worse than Sammy at least Sammy did his own stuff and became TNT champion and whatnot. But Hager, I don't know what. I, don't, I think he's got a fight coming up, so we may not see him a lot like in the near future, but I'm not sure. Um, We got a video package hyping up Collision this week as far as the upcoming uh, Owen Hart Cup matches. They said they were going to reignite the almost 20-year rivalry between CM Punk and Joe. And we'll once more see a feud restarted with Ricky Starks and Hobbs. We're in the back. Renee Paquette is with Doc Samson and Roderick Strong, who is in a neck brace. Samson said that they need to be careful with Strong's injury history. But Strong said that he feels fine. Adam Cole walks in and tells Roddy to be careful. As Strong questions his friendship with Adam Cole, or with um MJF. Cole said... Uh, Cole then gets a text from MJF, and he says, Hey, my match is next. I need to go. I'll check on you later. So, is Roddy thinking that MJF is going to change Adam Cole for the bad and make Adam Cole more like him? Is that what Roderick's worried about? Honestly, I feel like he's worried that, like,
1: Adam Cole keeps teaming with, like, MJF. Like, MJF's going to do something bad to, like, Adam Cole, possibly, like, like, attack him from behind or something. So maybe he's like, hey, I don't know if I'd really team, this, team with this guy. He might do something bad to you.
0: But you got to remember, they don't have an option. They're being made to team together because of this blind tournament. So it's not like Adam Cole is choosing to team with MJF. He's being forced to do so.
1: Oh, at least like MJF, you know, he's like embracing it saying like, like, all righty, let's do it. Like he's like, he's honestly giving off the vibe that he's happy to team with Adam Cole. Oh well, yeah.
0: He's trying to make Adam Cole think that they're buddies. So that way, when time comes, like you said, like he's going to turn on him and attack him from behind when Adam Cole's least expecting it. Because Adam Cole. Roddy right, kind of. Exactly. And Roddy knows that, and he's, like, trying
1: to, like, give Adam Cole the warning. Exactly. So,
0: speaking of those two guys, their match was next. Like, it's funny. Adam Cole goes, my match is coming up, so I need to go get ready. And then literally MJF's music plays. What are you getting ready for? You, you should be ready already. Anyways. Your ring gear is already on. Exactly. Like, what else do you need? Go, go get his hair wet. Anyways. We had a MJF versus that an MJF and Adam Cole taking on Matt Menard and the Butcher. Now that feels random. Like this tournament should be in a blind limit. I bet you this whole tournament was only created to further the MJF Adam Cole storyline. I think that's the literally Probably. it it's the only thing that makes sense why they would do it.
1: So early
2: on, it's
0: M-
1: like a way <clears throat> to like make it further and try to keep it like. As like long as possible till possibly like allowed louder all in.
0: So here's my thinking of this. Adam Cole is going to challenge MJF at Wembley for the championship. Then the winner of that match, whoever comes out, the AEW world champion, most likely MJF, will then go to All Out in Chicago the next week and face CM Punk. That's how I think it's all going to go. Because Punk keeps saying... Crown champ, or uh I never lost the
2: belt so unify it
0: Any tickets go on sale for all out That's a good question. I do not know. Let me see something. I can look did they say it last week or whenever because I got the graphic I'm trying to find that graphic really fast that announced all out here we go I don't think
1: I don't think they're on sale yet.
0: Yeah, the graphic only said when the show's taking place, not when tickets go on sale. Because we've got the Dynamite Rampage taping on the 30th of August, then we got Collision on the 2nd of September, and then All Out on September 3rd. And remember, that night before All Out and that Collision show... Is going to go head-to-head with WWE Payback. Which, as of right now, is not advertising Roman Reigns.
2: I don't know what...
1: Probably just going to be like another Seth match.
0: But you would think they'd want Roman on that show. Because Payback is where Roman won the Universal title. So how fitting could it be, I doubt it, that... Roman loses the title at payback. He wanted it at payback, loses it at payback. I don't know. Whole the story for a whole nother night. <clears throat> go for it. We can wait. No, 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 go for it. Go for it. You, you got a thought. Say it so you don't forget. I mean,
1: it'd be cool. Like, I think they're probably going to wait that for, like, possibly winning because I feel like maybe. Too soon, I would say. I don't know. I mean... There's still time. At this this
0: rate, we're not going to get Cody beating him for the belt until next year's Mania.
1: Cody did say, like, my whole goal is still to be, like, undisputed champion and beat Roman.
0: So he was asked at the Money in the Bank press conference, would winning the World Heavyweight Championship from Seth Rollins complete your story? He tried his hardest to not say that it's a secondary belt. and He said that title and what Seth is doing with it is a very important belt. That is something that I would love to win one day, but it would not complete my story because completing my story is winning the belt that Roman Reigns has. And Roman Reigns, as undisputed champion, has the lineage of the old WWF championship that my father once held in his hands in Madison Square Garden and then had taken from him. So, yeah. The story is still him to beat Roman. Or whoever has that belt when it's time, which it should be Roman now. Like, if it's somebody else, like, I don't know. Or
1: if they had Roman defend the belt, Madison Square Garden, and Cody won in Madison Square Garden.
0: That'd be cool, but they're doing MSG this week, and I don't think they're going to go back, at least for a television taping, at all for the rest of the year. Like, they're going to do the... Most likely December twenty sixth traditional show, but I don't think till next year. There's another MSG, Well, could be another MSG TV show like pay per view or SmackDown. So, uh, I mean, it, it's not a bad idea at all. Actually, that would make a lot of sense. He would win the belt in MSG where his father thought he won. Yeah, no, that's actually a great idea. Just don't know when it could happen. Now I don't want him to have to wait in the, of like another year. Like, I like the idea
2: though a lot. A lot of options
1: though. Right, Roman to lose. Heck, you can have him lose to Jay
0: at SummerSlam. Oh. that'd be a tough one for people to get behind. Like they'd like it in the moment, and then just be like, "Now what? What?" Jay's going to beat him, and Roman's going to get the title right back?
2: Roman wins it back at payback? Oh, we'll see.
0: So as far as this blind eliminator match does go, it's MJF and Adam Cole. Adam Cole was doing his entrance, and right as he went to do the boom, MJF walked in front of him on the floor and did the boom at the same time. Kind of a cute little thing there. MJF trying to be all buddy-buddy. Also, the Butcher and Matt Menard. If you wanted any other further reassurance that Adam Cole and MJF were winning, the Butcher and Matt Menard didn't even get entrances. They were just in the ring. Like two blokes, like two jobber guys brought in to get their butts beat. And yeah, they worked well together. Like they didn't have the dissension you would think teams would have in this tournament, but Menard fires off some forearms early, but MJF starts no-selling them and slaps Menard in the face before getting an abdominal stretch on. MJF wants Cole to assist him, and Adam Cole actually does briefly before letting go before the ref can see it, and then uh, Menard got hip-tossed. MJF was isolated on... Well, Menard got a hip toss to break the hold. MJF was isolated isolated during a commercial break. On the heel side of things, including Menard and Butcher getting their own assisted abdominal stretches, which MJF got out of with a low blow. MJF finally made the tag to Cole, who ran a wild with a pump kick and a neck breaker over the knee on Menard. MJF yelled for a double clothesline as the Butcher and Menard both ate super kicks. Instead of granting MJF his wish, though, Cole lowered the boom, and there we go. So MJF's yelling at him. We got to win with the double clothesline. We got to win with a double clothesline. Tag me so we can do the double clothesline. And Adam Cole looks at him like the asshole and goes, eh, I can do this myself. And then lowers the boom and pins him. So technically, MJF looked like the team player and Cole came off as the asshole that don't want to get along, which is a little weird of them to play it up like that. But what'd you think of the match? I mean, the match was all right. Yeah, like Like you said,
1: like, it's a little weird that, like, Adam Cole just seems like the jerk, and then MJF is like, all right, let's do it. Kind of, like, excited for this. So, will go for it. Yeah, honestly, it just feels like, you know, MJF is trying to be, like, that guy trying to play mind games with Adam Cole. Like, trying yeah. to act excited. So, this guy will kind of, like, forget about the world title and stuff. Makes
0: so, sense. Sarah Trousley in the YouTube chat. She has a really good question here that I think I can fantasy book. I don't know for sure, but I can fantasy book. She says, how long will MJF turn on Adam Cole? So basically how long till he turns on him? Well, I believe that Adam Cole and MJF win the tournament. Then they go on to challenge for the tag titles. And that is when MJF turns on Adam Cole saying, I don't need championships with you. I already got the world championship. I've got the triple B. And that's when he like low blows Adam Cole or something takes him out, walks away during the match, and then FTR pins him and retains the the belts. That's what I think is going to happen, leading to the match at Wembley and all-in. Or... 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 Cole's
1: about to, like... Cole's about to, like, make that tag to MJF. MJF just, like, walks away saying, like, you know what? I don't need... I don't need this
0: and stuff. But I think it would be more impactful and be a better reason to lead to a title match between the two if MJF attacks him. That's just my my opinion. It could work either way for sure. But I think it would just be better and build it better for Cole to be extra pissed off if MJF attacks him.
1: Because <clears throat> it could I mean, he also... He always do that. Well, attacks him... Always attack him like after the match, though.
0: Yeah, but then... If he attacks them after the match, how do they lose? What, they win the walks tag side?
1: He walks away Maybe. when Adam Cole's about to like make, make that tag, and FTR just comes out hits their finisher, one, two, three, matches over, then MJF or, just comes back in and, and attacks them.
0: Or what if they do work together so well that they win, then MJF attacks them during the celebration after the match, and then just drops the belt gown and goes, I don't need this title anyways, and then they vacate the belts. I mean, it would suck because then they'll have to do another tournament to crown new champions again after just doing a tag team tournament, but I can see it doing—there's options. There's plenty of options. But I think the whole turn happens during the tag title match. They win the tournament, and during, and then it happens during the tag title match. That's what I think.
1: So then we also have kind of suck for FTR though, if you really think about
0: it. Yeah, they kind of have to win that. So well, then we got an Adam Cole birthday celebration after the match. MJF plays up babyface. He gets a babyface reaction from the crowd, and he says, Hey, is there anybody here that are devil worshippers? And they literally have somebody in the crowd that says Devil Worshipper section. I'm like, well, that's random. Never seen that before. Maybe they planted that sign. I don't know. He also asked if they were fans of a certain somebody whose name is Super Over. And then he says, hey, do the, do the thing. Do the thing with your name. So Adam Cole gets down and they go, oh, Adam Cole, baby. Um, and MJF then asked if he wants to do a, another bro session this coming weekend. The crowd did the yes chant, and Cole goes, all right, sure, we could do it. Adam Cole goes to leave, and MJF goes, wait, 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 I got one last thing, and I need to put my belt down before this. Adam Cole kind of slowly gets back into the ring, looks at MJF, very skeptical, and he just yells, happy birthday, bro! So he says it, streamers, poof. And I don't know if this was done on purpose, but this couldn't have been more perfect where the streamers landed on MJF, and he gets the celebration for the birthday, and Adam Cole's just standing over there on the empty side of the ring. Like, I don't know if that was done purposefully or by accident, but it actually made that, actually, like, a really good part of the segment. Like, happy birthday to you, but I'm going to take the streamers and celebrate, and you got nothing. So I thought that was funny. I don't know if it was done like that on purpose or not, but... um. He then asked for the rest of the party stuff to come out. Backstage workers come out with a cake, party hats, a balloon, and so forth. And MJF, because at first, um, Adam Cole kept telling MJF, don't touch me. Don't touch me. And so MJF's got this party hat. And he's going to put it on Adam Cole. And then he, like, pulls back and goes, "Mm, should I do it? And he goes to put it on Adam Cole. And he pulls it back. He told me not to touch him. And then he finally puts the hat on him in the crowd. You know, he knew what he was doing. He got that crowd. Finally, he goes, one last thing. We need to sing you happy birthday. So he's singing, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. And the crowd's like trying to sing along, whatever. And Amco's like, stop. All right. We know you're a good singer. And he's like, I am? He's like, but we don't need to do any of this. And the crowd's chanting and stuff. And like, happy birthday. And... This dumbass crowd did not know how to deal with a happy birthday chant right. Because you would think it's supposed to be MJF leading them. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. But instead, MJF says, happy birthday. And then the crowd, instead of clapping, goes, happy birthday. And then MJF tries to get them again. Happy birthday. And the damn Canadians just go, happy birthday. Like... You're supposed to. None of them ever been to a god dang wrestling show before, and done a chant. That was weird. Didn't know how to chant along with MJF. Anyways, uh, MJF looked at the camera and and was like, "I'm gonna shove Cole's face in the cake." Like he kind of said it loud enough for Cole to hear him. So Cole knew. Cole counters, turns the tides, and slams MJF's face in the cake. MJF falls down on the mat and just kind of starts giggling. And laughing about it. Colton thanked MJF for celebrating his birthday. Wiped cake off of his forearm. Or off of his forehead. Licks the cake and goes, oh, good cake. And then the crowd starts chanting something. So MJF, I think they said, eat the cake. Eat the cake. So he eats the cake right out of his hand. I mean, this wasn't horrible. This wasn't great by any means. And I felt like it went a little long. What would you think of the segment? I
1: mean... It was cute, you know, just to give, like, Adam Cole, like, a nice birthday segment on his birthday. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. I feel like this went a little bit too long. especially with, like, what happened at the end.
0: So, Ray Bacchett's backstage with Britt Baker, asking her, her thoughts on Ruby Soho's comments from last week. Baker says that she doesn't care about what people think about her. But, wrote, but Soho, well, she lied, saying that she's going to take everything from Baker. Baker will always have her pride, something Soho can't say she has. She then grabs the belt for winning the tournament last year and says she's going to go on to defeat Soho, and she just wants to apologize that this year, she's going to beat her in the first round. So then Renee Paquette's in the back with Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia, and Sammy Guevara. Paquette asked Jericho about maybe joining Don Callis. Garcia said they need Jericho, but it's Jericho who said both Garcia and Guevara will be better off without him. That eventually, they need to leave him and grow on their own. But then goes, oh yeah, by the way, you two, we uh, pulled some balls earlier for the blind tournament. You're teaming in in the tournament. And um, they then asked Jericho again about, you said maybe. What does maybe mean? And Jericho's like, well, I've made up my mind. Maybe means maybe yes. Maybe means maybe no. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So, yeah. Cool. I I doubt Jericho joins Don. Because then what? Jericho would be not the leader of a group. He would be just a guy in a group. Because it would be Don's family.
2: Yeah, I, I I don't think
0: Jericho joins also, I thought I, that this segment was missing one thing, and that's RJ City. RJ City should have been the one to tell um, Daniel Garcia and Sammy that they were team, teaming up together because I think he would have done it in a funny way instead of Renee almost doing it in a way where she forgot. Like, you, cause you, you see her looking at Jericho and, and Daniel Garcia is talking about what does maybe mean, and then she's like, oh, hey, by the way, earlier today we pulled some of the, the balls for the blind tournament. You two are teaming. It felt like she almost forgot to do that part of the segment. But, I don't know. <clears throat> so then we move on to a Owen Hart tournament match. It was Dr. Britt Baker against Ruby Soho. And yeah, which wasn't as good as their match from last year. I'll say that. But there also wasn't shenanigans last year. It was just them straight up in the finals. Both ladies early on worked hammerlocks. But Baker hit a misdirect a misdirect sling blade, which sent Soho to the floor to regroup. Baker went out to follow and was just standing around, staring at Soraya and Storm before Soho hit a leg sweep into a commercial break. Like, this was not good. Like, someone was off, probably Ruby, and Britt had to look dumb just looking at the other two girls before Ruby finally hit her, hit her move. After the break, Baker fought back with some forearms and a clothesline, which led to a swinging for a fisherman's neck breaker for a near fall. Baker went for the lockjaw, Took way too long to get into it, and Soho hit the no future, but Baker countered. Storm tripped up Baker, allowing Soho to hit a side of a suplex and got a two off of it. Soho missed a top rope dive as Baker got a backslide into a lockjaw yet again. Saraya though would interfere. Soho then sent Baker uh, face first into the Owen Hart Cup title and then hit the uh, no fear and only got a two. Soho then tried for the lockjaw, but Baker. Kicked off the ropes and tried to lockjaw as the Outcast pulled Soho out of the ring to safety. Baker finally took out Storm and Soraya with super kicks. But as they went to repeat the spot that ended their finals last year, Soho just rolled her up a victory roll. Storm held her down a little bit to seal the deal and they pinned Britt to win. So, Britt is out of the tournament. We're not going to get a repeat winner in either tournament, actually. And Ruby advances to next week, where she will take on Sky Blue. So after the match, she knows she done wrong. She knows Britt Baker's going to be mad. So Ruby runs as fast as she can up the ramp, only to be met by her next opponent, Sky Blue. What do you think of the match itself? The match was okay. Nothing
1: special. I'm curious to see who actually wins this tournament. Is it Ruby? Is it going to be Athena?
0: So, if we look at who's still left, it's Ruby and Sky Blue, Athena and Willow. Ruby and Sky Blue next week on Dynamite, Athena and Willow on Collis- Collision, right? I think, no, Rampage. Hold on, let me double check. It's Athena and Willow, I think it's on Collision. Like, did Also, correct me if I'm wrong, they didn't announce a single match for Collision, did they? Well, then they did the two tournament matches. Maybe the three tournament matches. But nothing outside of that for the two-hour show, right? I didn't see anything. Uh, you're right, I believe. Other than the tournament matches, so. But yeah. When we look at it, I think the finals come down. You think Ruby makes the finals again, or Sky Blue beats her? I think Sky Blue beats her. Because, because, Britt comes out and takes out um, Soraya and Storm Distracts Ruby and Sky Blue beats her to go to the finals. That's how I think it happens. Well, Sky Blue's gonna win. I feel like you gotta
1: have Athena beat Willow Nightingale.
0: Yeah, Athila, Athila, Athena, and Sky Blue in the finals actually be really good. I wouldn't want. Willow and Sky Blue wouldn't be all right. I know you want to do the well. Yeah, heal, baby. I think Athena should just win the whole thing. But I have a feeling they're gonna go Sky Blue. Because when I said at the very beginning, when I did my predictions for this tournament at the very beginning, I said, I don't think she wins, but I would like Athena to win. I think Neo, in the end, is going to come down to Sky Blue winning the tournament.
1: It could, but June would be interesting. Hmm. Sky Blue's about to hit her finisher, but then the Outcast comes out and distracts her, and then have Athena win, and Athena joins the Outcast.
0: Oh, okay. You you didn't have me there at first, but then when you finished your sentence, yeah, you got me. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Hey,
1: I got to add one more person to the outcast to t- try to make it even.
0: And then you can get Ruby working some Ring of Honor and stuff. Maybe Tony, maybe Soraya. Or you can at least get like the outcast on Ring of Honor. Get Athena more on Dynamite and Collision. Well, Dynamite. So, yeah. Could be a, a good way to do it. I didn't think about it that way until you said it there. Because at first I was like, no, I would want the outcast to screw Sky Blue. But if Athena's joining them, never mind, yes. Let me go into our main event match. I like this match. I thought Kenny Omega and Wheeler Yuta worked really well together. I thought Kenny The best sold,
1: thing on the show.
0: I thought Kenny sold his injuries perfectly. Like the back and whatnot. And yeah. Weird, weird, weird post-match that just kind of ended. But, as far as the match itself. Um, they talked about how Kenny Omega's first singles match in a while. And I don't... Other than Forbidden Door. I think they said first singles match on Dynamite in a while. Because other than Forbidden Door, when was his last singles match? Let me look really fast. Kenny Omega. Cage match. Other than the Osprey match at Forbidden Door. When had he worked... Let's see, matches singles match. Um Wheel of a tonight, forbidden door. Oh. He worked a cage match cage match against uh, Moxley back on May 10th. So about two months ago. Almost two months ago. But also Kenny Omega's barely ever working matches. Since that cage match, he's only had three other matches counting tonight. Kenny works very infrequent. Well, he has been working very infrequent. He worked a lot at the beginning of the year. He's been slow. It seems like he's been slowing down. <clears throat> Hence why
2: he's doing a lot of trios matches.
0: So as far as this matches go. Um, where are my notes here? Here we go. Omega connected with the Katara Crusher early, but when he went for the You Can't Escape, Omega really hesitated, and Yuda got his knees up on the moonsault. There was a dropkick that sent Omega to the outside, where Yuda followed this up with a great-looking tope. Omega tried fighting back on the apron, but Yuda zoned, zoned in on the tape on his neck, attacking the neck. It was all Yuda during the commercial until Omega mounted his comeback. Omega hit his running palm strike to bounce Yuda like a basketball, and violently... Hit him with a fisherman's buster for a two. Yuda dodged a V trigger and countered into an angle slam for a near fall of his own. <clears throat> Yuda went to the top, but took too long as Omega quickly followed to hit a massive leg trap superplex. Both men traded forearm shivers before Yuda planted Omega with a nice a nice bridging German for a two. This led to a rolling German attempt, but Yuda <clears throat> excuse me by Yuda as Omega fought free and. Yuta popped up and got a V-trigger and a Snapdragon suplex for his own good measure. Yuta nearly got a roll-up, but Omega hit another V-trigger. Yuta then countered a one-winged angel attempt into a seatbelt pin, but Omega was up first with the powerbomb and a V-trigger. Omega then went for the home run shot. Don Callis would come out, being held back by security. Why the hell are they scared of Don? Why they, I mean, I get it, you need security because Don may hand Yuta something like he hung handed Osprey the screwdriver, so maybe that's what they needed the security for. But, exactly what happened here is what I expected. Everybody's worried about Don, and then Takesta jumps in the ring, attacks Kenny from behind, lays him out with a blue thunder bomb, as Yuda followed up with a massive splash. Yuda then went to climb the ropes, but Omega punched through, uh, punched through the legs to the face, and hit a one-winged angel to win in the main event. Before we get to the fin, well, we we can talk the, the uh, aftermatch stuff here because it's literally like 30 seconds worth of stuff. Uh, post-match, Claudio runs down. Him and Takeshita put the boots to Omega. Young Bucks and Hangman Page run out with the charity, even the odds. Claudio then ate a BTE trigger, but as Page went for the chair shot, Dark Order pulled the chair from him, and then the show just goes off the air. So what is Dark Order's role here? Why is Dark Order here? Didn't they say that we're done with you because you abandoned us for the Elite?
1: I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're going to make it seem like one of those guys is going to be like. Johnny Hungy for... in Blood and Guts.
2: Yeah, I was honestly thinking
1: Evil Uno.
0: Yeah, it would make more sense. But Johnny Hungy in that match would be damn funny.
1: It would be hilarious though, but.
0: In a good way. Like not making fun of him yeah. for being in the match, but I think he would do some cool comedy spots in the match. So, speaking of future shows, we got some stuff announced. So, as far as Rampage does go, which is being filmed tonight, Matt Hardy and Jeff Jarrett will take on the team of Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. Who do you think wins that one? Let's do some predictions here for this tournament. So, we still don't know brackets. Why don't we know brackets? Because they're like, oh, this team has advanced to the second round. To fight who? How many teams are in this tournament? Like, that's the weirdest part. That they haven't given us brackets. Like, you don't have to tell us who all the teams are yet, but at least show us this team is in this part of the bracket. This team that was just announced is now this part of the. Give us something. Give us brackets. Anyways, who do you think wins, Matt Hardy and Jeff Jarrett, or Daniel Garcia and Sammy? I'd say
1: Daniel Garcia and Sammy.
0: That's where I would say. We have another blind eliminator. Really, Go for it.
1: They don't really need Matt and Jeff to continue.
0: No. Then we have another blind eliminator match. Big Bill and Brian Cage against Trent Beretta and Matt Seidel. Again, without Tr- Trent Beretta
1: and Matt Seidel in that one,
0: I almost would say Bill and Cage, but without, again, knowing the brackets, it's hard to make these predictions because we don't know. It's like, okay, so if Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara win, do they take on the winners of Big Bill and Cage versus Trent and Matt? Because if that's the case, then yeah, I would say Trent and Matt go on to the next round to face Garcia and Sammy. But if it's not, then maybe give it to Big Bill and Cage and give them another babyface team to fight. I don't know. Without these brackets, it's hard to make the predictions. We also do know that Hikaru Shiro will Battle Marine Shafir, and in a rematch from last week's AEW Dynamite, Hangman Page and the Young Bucks will be taking on the Evil Lo- the Dark Orders' Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. As far as AEW Collision does go, we do know that CM Punk will be taking on Samoa Joe in the Owen Hart Cup Tournament. FTR, uh, no, uh, Ricky Starks will be taking on Powerhouse Hobbs in the Owen Hart Cup Tournament. Athena will be taking on Willow Nightingale in the Owen Hart Cup Tournament. And yes, announced on last week's uh, show, FTR will take on Bullet Club Gold, Switchblade Jay White, and Juice Robinson in a tag team eliminator match. This makes no sense either because literally, Jay and Juice said, we want you in a tag title match. FTR said, we accept your title shot, your title match. Like, we accept and we'll give you the titles. And then they no, it's non-title. what the what the what what? Yeah, okay. as far as next week's Dynamite does go, Darby Allen North Cassidy will face off against the okay, I didn't notice this. okay. We do have some bracketing kind of stuff. I did not notice this earlier, but it are, it are it is here in the notes that so I don't do all my own notes. I have a friend that helps me with the notes at the same time. He wrote the preview stuff here. It was Darby Allen. it's going to be Darby Allen. Lawrence Cassidy taking on the winner of Jeff Jarrett and Jeff and Matt Hardy against Dan Garcia and Sammy Guevara. Yes, Garcia Guevara. So then you have the baby faces. And then MJF and Adam Cole will take on the winners of Big Bill and Cage against Trent and Matt Seidel. So if MJF and Cole are supposed to be the baby faces, I can see it being Big Bill and Cage. You still think Trent and Matt? Against Adam Cole and MJF? I I don't know. Again, this this whole tournament's kind of weird. So, also in the Owen Hart Cup tournament. Like, why do we need two tournaments going on at the same time, too? That's just kind of whatever. Also, in the Owen Hart Cup tournament, we have Ruby Soho against Sky Blue. In his AEW in-ring debut, Nick Wayne will take on Swerve Strickland. Boy, I can't wait. And, randomly... They say, oh, by the way, Chris Jericho will take on Commander next week. What? Jericho and Commander? Okay. But any closing thoughts on tonight's Dynamite? Hopefully next week is better than this. I hope so. This was just a show. Nothing special. So as far as what we thought of the show, you know. Now it's time to hear what you guys thought of tonight's AEW Dynamite. Let's refresh all these polls really fast. As far as the Twitter poll does go, 48% liked the show, 25% thought it was just all right, and 25% didn't like it. Looking over at the YouTube community poll, 66% liked the show, 18% thought it was just all right, and 17% did not like it. One of the comments here says, I liked it. It was great and funny to watch MJF and Adam Cole, baby. Person says, I was shocked. or I will be shocked if Jericho and the JAS turn babyface. It says, I liked it. This person says, I don't know. I was watching at work. Well, then don't comment if you didn't really pay much attention to the show. This person says seven out of 10. And this person called in mid. As far as the Twitch poll does go, 100% liked the show. And finally, the YouTube com- the YouTube live poll, which for some reason did not go, is not there. I did it. I saw it. For some reason, it's not there. That's weird. But with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Luke, tell them where they can find you. Find me over at
1: Twitter at PetKinnerScore21. Pet, pet and you can also find me over at Twitch at the petkey
0: With that, guys, have a great rest of your week. Have a great rest of your Wednesday evening. We'll see you, I'll see you back here Friday morning for the wrestling wrap-up. And then we'll do Friday evening, Friday night, SmackDown. With that, guys, have a great rest of your night, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.